All right, it's good to be saved, amen? I praise the Lord for that and glad for the fact that uh, the Lord Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. And, and uh, this morning I want to just give you a message uh, from Matthew chapter 15. I hope that you're well, hope that you've been just uh, seeking the Lord this week. Um, but I think, you know, much of life is, is really this. It's about managing expectations. And probably the expectations that we need to manage the most are our own. And all of us here, we sort of have different expectations of others, but certainly of ourselves or some of the outcomes that um, come in life. And it uh, reminds me of a story of two friends who were walking along um, one day, and one friend looked a little, little sad, a little forlorn. And so the other friend said, well, what, what's happened? Tell me, tell me what's wrong. And he said, you know, uh, three weeks ago, my uncle died, and he left me $40,000. That's a lot of money. Uh, but you see, two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew died, and he left me $85,000, free and clear. So now the friend's wondering, why are you sad? Sounds to me, sounds to me that you've been blessed in, despite the circumstances. The friend replied, you don't understand. Last week, my great-aunt passed away, and I inherited almost, almost a quarter of a million dollars. So now the friend was really perplexed. Right, he figures, well, I know he's sad, but certainly he can't be forlorn, all that money. So he finally asked, he said, then after all that, why do you look so sad? Why do you seem to be so sad? He goes, well, this week, Nothing. And you know, sometimes we get used to, we get used to a little bit of the goodness of God at times. We get used to how there seems to be a pattern in the way God does things. And yet we understand that, um, that God is under no obligation to follow our expectations. And in Matthew chapter 15, really there's a story of this lady who is a Gentile lady um, certainly, being around the region, she would have heard of the great amount of miracles that the Lord Jesus had performed, and here she was with a great need. And we read earlier of the fact that it was her daughter who was grievously vexed with the devil. This was, a, it was if you would agree with me this morning, that was a real need. That would have been something that she had no solution for. And yet she hears about this Jesus who had been casting out devils, who'd been healing the sick, who had done all of these, these great and mighty works. And so logically, you would say, well, if he's the one that can do that, then I need to go to him for my daughter. And that's a good thing. And he goes over, uh, she goes over to Jesus, and he answers her not a word. And really, this is a pretty amazing dialogue between Jesus and this woman and the disciples there. And what happened was her expectation, initially, it wasn't met. And, you know, we can often come to the point where we expect to get certain things that God may intend or may not intend for us to have in that moment. And, you know, we've got to be careful when our timing and God's timing and God's expectation and our expectations don't match. You know, it's easy in that moment to sort of doubt God to get bitter, to 
bit a, a little sideways with the Lord. And yet, again, if we can realize this morning, our expectations, whether noble or not, can I just kindly say they're expectations at best. And if we're not careful, we can allow our disappointments and unfulfilled expectations to discourage and destabilize our faith in God. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And it's true, isn't it, of us as, as people, we there's certain hopes that we have, certain hopes that we bring before the Lord, certain desires and expectations. And often as we're waiting for that and we're waiting for God to finally answer, if it is His will in that, in, in that request, for that request, often we're waiting and it makes our heart sick. It makes us at times, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a chance there that we might even feel discouraged or destabilized. And in our text, we see we have a woman who's seeking for the Savior. She has a great need regarding her daughter. And in, in verse 22, as we read there, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And, you know, I, I look at that and sometimes, isn't it true, the greatest disappointments that come our way are things that go wrong with us, but things that go wrong for those who we love. And this is a daughter, no doubt, someone precious to her, and seeing all of the things happening to this young woman in her life, it caused this woman of Canaan to go and seek out the Savior, and she rightly recognizes Him. And um, notice verse 23, though, after this, this needful request, but He answered her not a word. Now, it's a little anticlimactic, don't you think? You imagine the, the great things that she's heard about Jesus. You imagine all of those things that, that are no doubt were playing in on her mind about things that he would do, the, the ability that he has. And yet you see her coming along and all of that. And, and this great request, to notice what she says, she was pretty clear about her need. And her, his initial response was this, silence. He answered her not a word. And right there in that moment, she had a choice to make about those expectations that she had. And we're going to see that this woman from Canaan, again, she no doubt came seeking after Jesus because she had heard of the great miracles. She may have even heard of the blind receiving sight, the dumb speaking with great and now with, uh, with, with the testimony of the power that was, uh, was uh, displayed in their life, she had great expectations of Jesus and all that she, he could do for her daughter, and she got that response. And I wonder how, how do we react when God doesn't answer the way we think? I wonder how we respond, how we ought to respond when we come with a, with a real request, not a sinful request, not even an unrealistic request, not even a, a request that is for us. It might even be a request for another. And yet God at times responds with this. God responds maybe in a way that we didn't expect. And I think there's a few lessons to be learned from this Canaanite woman because at the end of it, she finds herself being commended. 
At the end of it, she finds herself where we can find ourselves. At the beginning, we find ourselves having our expectations unmet. We're going to pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless and we'll get into the message. Father, we love you. Lord, help us, dear God, this morning. I know, Lord God, all of us here, we, we often can, can think of and imagine, Lord, how you ought to and should respond to our requests. And Father, it's a good thing that we can even come to you with, with great, um, Lord, with, with, with great expectation of who you are. And yet, Lord, what can get in the way is our own. And I pray that you'd help us this morning as we just observe in this woman's life, Lord, how we uh, can manage those things in our lives and then help us, dear God, to see how we ought to respond to you most of all. I pray that you'd please help, Lord. I, I know, Lord, that all of us here were in different circumstances. Perhaps they're here, Lord, exactly in this situation, perhaps not. But no doubt throughout life there are those expectations that we have that are not met. Help us, Lord God, then, Lord, just to understand. Help us, Lord, to learn some things this morning that will help us in our situation. And then, Father, that, Lord, we might see you, we might, we might worship you, Lord. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And we see here that, again that... He answers her not a word. And uh, notice, uh, again, that, that there's many times, and, and we can do a whole different sermon on the times where Jesus didn't answer. There's times, perhaps in your life, where uh, you've requested something that was genuine, authentic, and real, and needful, and, and it just seems to be that there's just no answer at all. There seems to be that there's just a pause a little bit. And, and you know as well as I do how awkward it is when someone pauses after you speak with them. Right, you're you're in the moment, and you're you think you've articulated your your need or articulated your your point, and they just stare at you, like you've spoken a different language, and, and and sometimes we can do that with the Lord, and you know even David, David in certain situations in his life, he he was asking God to respond. Look at Psalm chapter thirteen, look at Psalm chapter thirteen, and notice verses one to four. It says how long? Wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against me, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And you know, David, even in certain situations in his life, he felt like he couldn't get through to God. He was making requests. He was asking for deliverance. He was asking for a genuine need. And yet David finds himself asking this question, how long, O oh Lord? And, and to the point where he's saying, have you forgotten about me? Have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten who it is who's making this request? And you know, so often we can in those moments, make a wrong choice based on God's silence. We can presume the mind of God. We can presume that His silence means that He doesn't care. His silence means that somehow He's forgotten about us. Uh, we, his silence means that somehow He's grown deaf to our requests, and, and we better take great care right there. See, the woman could have decided that coming to Christ was not a good idea after all. You know, often what happens when we make a request to God and we don't, uh, He doesn't answer straight away, sometimes He answers with silence, 
is we second-guess ourselves in going to Him in the first place. We go, well, I went to God, I didn't get an answer, so maybe I should do something else. Maybe I should go to someone else. Maybe I should look at another way in which to, uh, to, to enable this request of mine. Maybe I ought to solve it my own way. And we better take great stock when we come into that mindset. She could have done that. You know, we assume God has closed the door. And, not, and, and somehow we say, well, maybe he's not given consent or maybe he, he's just not interested in me. And we better take great care. We note that, that eventually Jesus responds to her. We note that, that because she kept asking and she kept begging and she kept, she kept making requests to God that eventually He responded. In fact, we read in the Scriptures there that it wasn't even the fact that she kept going. The disciples got annoyed with her. They, they went to Jesus and they went to Jesus and said, can you deal with this woman? She keeps bothering us. And it reminds me of the, the story that Jesus uses to illustrate about prayer in Luke chapter 11. You remember that story? At the beginning of that chapter in Luke 11, the, the disciples noticed something about Jesus and it wasn't the, his ability to, uh, to, to perform miracles. It's something about Jesus's life that they were interested in and they simply asked this, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, you imagine all of those things that Jesus was good at, and the one thing that they made a request to, to, for, for Jesus to teach them was this, was about their, his prayer life. What a prayer life Jesus must have had. And we see that, that the disciples ask, he goes through the model prayer, and then to illustrate the principle about, about prayer that they really wanted to, them to know, he talks about this friend who comes knocking at midnight. Remember that? He was asking for bread at midnight. Now, who eats at midnight? That's what I was thinking. But this friend kept knocking. And you know what the Bible says? It wasn't because he, he was a friend. It's because that friend was importunate. Because of his importunity, because of his persistence. And you know, so often we have this, this mentality that somehow God must answer us the first time. Now, he can, Right? He can, but at times and often, it's the repetitive and, and it's just the con continual persisting seeking for God, knocking at His door, that then He goes and says, you know what? You've been persistent. I'm going to answer now. I'm, I'm going to go. And you know, too many times we give up in the moment. Why? Because our expectation is this, God, you must answer us now. God, you've got to, you've got to solve my problem now. God, you've got to answer this thing for me now. God, you're going to have to do this thing for me now. And it's all about our timing, not His. Hey, listen, as much as prayer is about asking, prayer is, is much more about alignment. It's about lining up to God's expectation. It's about lining up to God's answer. It's about lining up to what He, uh, what in His wisdom and what He expects of us. And, and too many times we have an unbiblical mentality that God must answer us the first time. Listen, the, the woman kept asking. She kept going even when the answer was initially silence. And you know what sometimes God does is, sometimes God is silent because He's testing really our determination. 
Now, how committed are we to this thing? Is this a fleeting thing? In Psalm 37, verse 5, the Bible says this, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Notice those two things that are directly tied there, commit and trust. You know, when we commit something, the Bible says this, uh, that the, the definition is, it's got the idea of being determined. It's being in it for the long haul. It's to trust that He will. Because we know what we're asking is right and good, that He will answer at some point. And yet what we have is, is I think sometimes we buy into a bit of a, a, a consumeristic mentality about God. You know, we live in a, in a consumer world. It's about what we can get now. It's about what, what can be solved now. And, and too many times we go into the wrong. And we can have the wrong mentality about God. And we can have this, this mindset that somehow God, it's all about us. It's all about now. And yet God, He's saying, you know, you're meant to trust me in the long haul. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him. Those, are two, those two things are tied. And then He says, and, ye shall, and He shall bring it to pass. And you know, at times God, because He's silent, really what He's doing is slowing us down. You know, sometimes we want to get ahead of God. Sometimes we want to just go ahead and we just, you know, we think that now is the best time. And here's the point I'm trying to make. You know, if God is silent, that's, that's, that's the, expect, uh, the, the expectation is you would, He would answer you now. But He answers you unexpectedly with silence. You know, here's what it is. You need to trust God and wait upon Him. We need to trust God and wait upon Him. You know, many times uh, there's, there are those who, you know, you're, you're seeking for a right thing. You're asking God to provide for you a right thing. And maybe there's some young people here who they've been praying and their parents have been praying for a long time. Lord, give them the right spouse. Lord, give them the right partner in life. Lord, give them that. And, and because that's in their heart and they start to look around and, oh, my friends are getting married at this time. Oh, my friends are, they seem to be, you know, at this age and look at me, I'm getting a little older. And, and you start to wonder what God is doing. You're praying genuinely. It's a good desire, right? And you're seeking the Lord about that. And suddenly you, someone comes in and they're not quite right. And because we put that expectation in our own mind, we go ahead and marry and maybe even marry out of the will of God. And listen, that's a dangerous thing, isn't it? We would understand that. But how many times in our lives do we, instead of trusting God in the silence because we know His heart, and we know he's trustworthy. We go ahead and in our lack of patience and in our own expectation, go and do the opposite. And yet God's silence is often a test of our determination and our commitment and trust on him. You know, I want to I say to you this morning that we can trust God, right, church? God is worthy of our trust. And too many times, again, we can at times just trust ourselves. And, and, and so firstly, I want you to uh, rem remind you this morning that in God's silence, you can trust Him and you can wait upon Him. But notice that as we continue the story here, He answered her not a word. And He said, and His disciples came and besought Him, saying, send her away for she crieth after us. And He answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, 
We know that that's true biblically. He went there and he had to be rejected by his brethren. And so he was right in saying that. And I look at that and actually he didn't even answer her directly. I, I imagine the situation here and, and I think he was actually speaking to the disciples and referring back to their question. So he's still making her wait. He answers here in this way because it doesn't say he answers her. He just says, but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she, notice this, her response, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Lord, help me. Now, that, that's an important word, Lord, because it was an admission on her part who she was dealing with. It was an admission on her part who he was and who she was. And, and here's the next lesson I want you to learn this morning with me. Really, our response to unmet expectations, it reveals our real motive, our motive for asking. And, and here we see that he somewhat responds. He responds through the disciples. And, and she responds again and, and responds to his response by worshiping. You know, God at times, He's not going to give us what we want because, because He wants to test how genuine we are. Now, how genuine are we in our requests? I think of an Old Testament story, Naaman, who was this great general of, of Syria. Remember, he, had, he was leprous. And so he was trying to figure out what to do with his leprosy and he had a maiden in her, his house, an Israelite maiden, and she says, look, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a prophet in Israel who can, who can wrought miracles. And so he goes over, he sends a messenger. They, they tell Elisha, look, um, Naaman's going to come. And he doesn't even answer the door. Remember what he does? He sends another servant and he says, hey, go tell Naaman, dip in the Jordan seven times. And... He goes there and he was, he was mad. Why? Because he thought, and he says it, I thought he was going to come out and do all of these things and, you know, do, do, do all of these uh, ceremonial things. And he doesn't even come out. And Naaman goes to the Jordan and, and the, a servant of his had to convince him, had to say, look, Naaman, if, if he asked you to do all of these things, you would have done it. This is simple. This is a simple thing. And, and the, the test was how genuine was Naaman in actually wanting an answer to his question. You know, sometimes we have a question, but we, we don't, it's not really a question. You know, we've maybe predetermined in our mind how to answer it. Maybe we've predetermined, and somehow in our heart of hearts, we'll feel better if God rub, just somehow rubber-stamped our plan. And, and we go, and we just, we just go follow through with our own expectation without really surrendering to what God wants, without actually surrendering and just saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? And we see sometimes that, that we just give up in our prayer. We give up in making requests. Why? Because God didn't meet our expectation in the first place. And yet the test is how genuine are we in seeking God. And again, this verse is speaking about God discerning uh, her true intent and I said earlier, prayer is asking, but it's also alignment. You know, I wonder when we come and approach God with a request, and regardless of what our expectations are, I wonder in the first place if we would just have an attitude of surrender to Him in the first place. 
I wonder when we come, do we have just an attitude of, of praise and thanksgiving? You know what that is? It's just worship. And we see that was actually her, her response. And, you know, too many times we don't get what we expect because our expectations are wrong in the first place. In James 4.3, you ask and receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. You know, too many times we have the attitude that the Lord must do what we say. And if He doesn't do it, we question Him. Listen, I think about Job who went through a great loss in his life. And Job's attitude was after all of what was, had transpired in his life, he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, Job worshipped. And we see similarly here in the, this woman's life, she worshipped. And after hearing that from the Lord, then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, Lord, help me. Now she recognized who he was. Listen, when, when God gives us an answer or, or puts us in a situation that we don't expect and we know it's his work, sovereign, uh, in his sovereignty he allows that, in his sovereignty he answers it. Listen, we ought to respond with a spirit of worship. Why? Because he's the Lord, we're not the Lord. Right? You know, before him, actually, we're just unprofitable servants. Before him, although he loves us and he gave his life for us, listen, before him, we're meant to be, we're meant to be low. And listen, what we find ourselves is often arguing with God. Lord, do you know what you're doing? Listen, do you know what you're putting me through? Listen, you know, um, I asked you this, and this is what you give me? Really, Lord? Like we know? Like somehow we know better than God? Like somehow in all of it, God suddenly stops loving us? You know, in all of the good, and, and when everything seems to be rosy, when everything seems to be all that we expect coming, uh, coming to fruition, we don't question God at all. But if he, how dare he deviate from our plan, from our expectation, suddenly, God, how, how can you do this to me? And yet what we see in this woman's life, it was, it was surrender. She came and worshipped. You know, the woman's response to Jesus, it really revealed the authenticity of her heart. She was authentic in her request. She was there coming with this expectation, but she was coming to surrender. She was coming to worship. She was coming low. She was coming to be bowed. And you know, often when we come to the Lord with a request, we better come with an attitude of, of let's, let's just hear from the Lord first. Let's just make sure that we have Him on top and he, you know are you more for the lord or are you more for the answer too many times we're more for the answer than for the lord depending on the answer we're going to then judge the lord or are we for the lord or are we for the answer you know sometimes parents that you you'll you'll ask the lord about what 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 blessings you ought to have for your children. You're asking God to guide them in life. And all of us here, we all have dreams for our children, right? 
We all had dreams. We all have wishes for our children that they would be. Perhaps there's a certain career that you didn't get to live out. You want them to live that out. Perhaps it's a dream that you had, whatever it is, travel the world, and that's what you want for your children. And perhaps there's just something there that you're praying for them, and, and that's a good thing. That's a right thing to have ambition for our children. And we're, 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 we think we're surrendering that to the Lord, and that, then God, in their seeking, in, the, in their, their seeking themselves personally, God leads them to a different thing. How do we respond then? You know, I think about so many times where I had young people come to me and they're saying, Pastor, I, I just feel like the Lord's leading me to go to the mission field. And you know, that's a, that's a surrender, that's a sacrifice for parents, isn't it? And, and I would encourage them and I observe their life, they're walking with God, they're doing right. And so I have no reason to, to question whether God's working in their life because they're, they're, their testimony reflects that. And they're going, and then I say, hey, go tell your parents. And I always do that, go tell your parents. I want the parents to support it. And then the parents come back, and they all panic. Oh, are you sure? Shouldn't you, you know, shouldn't you, shouldn't you go to uni instead? Shouldn't you make money instead? And, and, and then, you know, if you have time after that, and, and by the way, get married and give me grandchildren, and then go to the mission field. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes when God answers a different way, that's actually a truer test of how genuine we were for the Lord. That's actually a truer test. And we see here that this lady, she worshipped. You know, sometimes we ask for justice to be served. We look around our world. We, we see all the, the things that are happening, how, how evil and wickedness, and, and sometimes even in others' lives, we look and we pray for justice to be served. And, and yet sometimes we do that and we want justice to be done our way, our time. And sometimes we can take justice into our own hands. And we see that, that sometimes we go there and we forget that overall God, God is the one that's just. And I wonder when we're disappointed by a turn of events that is out of our control, how do we respond? I remember a situation, and again, I'm not judging this lady, but I just, it's just, remember it in my mind, well, I was doing a visit in the hospital there at, at, at Blacktown. And there was this lady who had come in there. She, I think, had brought her auntie or someone along with her. And, um, and you know, she, she was, we were conversing. She said, oh, I'll go to so-and-so church. And she was saying, oh, I just praise God for this and praise God for that. I was glad, and I was sitting there and just waiting as I, uh, to come in and visit this other person. And I was listening to her, and then the doctor came out. And, and what had happened was, during our conversation... Her auntie had taken a turn for the worse. And suddenly this woman who was praising God while things were going well, and again, I'm not judging her. I don't know what I would do in that situation. Suddenly she turned and suddenly all these blasphemies started coming out of her mouth. And I was sad because that was the Lord. That was the Lord's name being taken in vain suddenly from the same mouth that was praising the Lord earlier. And how quickly do we turn? How quickly do we turn when we've requested something from the Lord and then suddenly it's the opposite? How quickly do we turn on God? You know, I think about David and we referred to him last week during our, our lesson on prayer and fasting. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and you can look at it later, verses 15 to 20, David sinned. God then was chastening him. He judged him by 
uh, saying that the, this child that was going to be born to Bathsheba will be struck down. And so what did David do? David responded rightly. He fasted, asking God, making a request, this personal affliction that he had. And what happened then, God was true to his word. This child died. And David, the Bible says, he stopped fasting. He cleaned himself up. And you know what he did? He worshipped. He worshipped. You know what that told us about David? That's why David is a man after God's own heart. Because in the moment where he didn't get his way, he still worshipped. I wonder how many of us are like that. You know, I'm convicted about that. How many times when, when something I was praying for didn't come to be, I, I suddenly had this heart of, how dare you, God? When actually it's his right. You, you know why? Because he's the Lord. <laughs> he's the Lord. And this woman recognized that. This woman recognized, Lord, Lord, help me. And the Canaanite woman, she worshipped Jesus when he rejected her plea for help. And again, how many Christians keep their heart bitter? How many of us keep our heart hard because God gave us something different to what we expected? And you know, your response then reveals your, your true heart. But we see later on, notice the story, and he answered and said, again, not answer her directly yet. It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And, and that was, a, that was a, a term used for anyone that was non-Jewish in that time. And he, he calls her that, and, and she said, notice this, this didn't deter this lady. Notice her response, truth. He says, I agree with you, Lord. How many of us agree when it doesn't go our way? Says, truth, Lord. But then she reasons, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Notice, notice the words that she uses to Jesus, Master, Lord. And, and what she did was, really what she was saying was this, whatever you can offer me, God, I'm surrendered to you. You know, here, here's what we, we want, what we want. We want exactly what we want. And when God doesn't meet that, that expectation, we can quickly turn. And yet what we see about this lady was this. I'll take what you give me, Lord. You know what that is? That's surrender. That's alignment. That, that's us saying, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Lord, whatever you can give me, that's what I'll take. Lord, whatever it is in your wisdom. And you know, this, this morning... What a love the fact that God is able. Because then answered Jesus and notice this and said unto her, now he responds to her. Notice this. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it un even un as thou wilt. And he answers her request. You know, but more than that, well, let's notice firstly the woman, how, what she demonstrated. She demonstrated firstly a humble attitude. I wonder if we would demonstrate a, a humility before the Lord when things don't go our way. See, her humility, it, it flowed out in her request that just give me the crumbs. I wonder how many of us would be so far better off by the crumbs that he's offered than, rather than the bread of our own expectation. 
How many of us would be far better off just asking for the crumbs that the God in His will has given us than the, the bread that we so clamor after in the world, in our own wisdom? It's a humble attitude. See, most of us don't think God's crumbs are good enough. We, we ask, we like, like to ask for the big things, we neglect the little things. And so much, there's so much of what we would say God's crumbs, but it's still from God's hands that God gives us each day. And that's an attitude of humility. But you know, it was also this, she demonstrated an honest acknowledgement. Again, truth, Lord. See, the Canaanite woman acknowledged that Jesus was God and that he had the right to make that choice for her. And we need to realize, again, church, listen, don't get the order wrong. He's the Lord. Right? He's the one we're meant to seek. He, he doesn't have to meet our expectations of Him. We have to meet His expectations of us. And too many times we want Him to bend to our will, but we will never bend to His will. And we want Him. And yet, here's an honest acknowledgement, truth, Lord. I am that. I'll just, Lord, but the crumbs, give me the crumbs. But then, you know, really what it was, it was a heartfelt appeal. See, her appeal was for whatever help Jesus could, could afford her. You know, by the end of it, remember earlier she said, Lord, help me. See, that specific request was no longer, it was just help, Lord. Lord, if, even if it's the crumbs. And sometimes we aren't satisfied with what God gives. And her appeal, what we see though, God, Jesus' attention and he saw the reality of this request. And, and here we see Jesus' commendation. And, and there's only a few people in the Bible where Jesus said, Great is your faith. And here's one of them. It says, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And we see that, that not only did Jesus fulfill her request... He also gave a commendation. And you know, I, I, don't think he, I don't think she would have ever got there if he didn't time it the way he did. And here's what I'm saying. You know what? Sometimes God allows us to go through the process to get the best out of us. There was more in this woman's heart. There was more that she needed to declare. There was more that needed to be proven about her. And at the end, great was her faith. And listen, sometimes there's more that Jesus wants to get out of you. You're just not willing to go through the process because you want it now. The lessons, the humbling, that, that process of reduction, of humility, of lowering, it's needful at times, and that's when God can get the best out of us. And you know what? We, none, none of us go through, want to go through that. Why? Because it is humiliating. None of us want to go through that because it is painful. It's painful to ask again and again and again. It's painful to have our expectations just continually broken and continually, um, continually reshaped and remolded. It can be painful. But yet, the great faith came from that waiting. And listen, Jesus knows how to get the best out of us, and, and his timing, 
His timing, the process that we have to go through, often will equal great faith. And not only did God meet what she expected, God also gave her what was unexpected, this great commendation. You know, no doubt, as that woman sat there, knowing that, knowing that, that the Lord said this, she would have just had this idea that somehow her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know, we so often settle our, for our expectations of, of life when God can give us far greater than what we could have imagined. And really, it's a simple matter of aligning our expectations to God. You know, I think about the three Hebrew boys who they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, remember? And, and they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And what did they say? They said, you know, God is able, but if not, <laughs> but if not, then we won't bow. They, they were true. And listen, you might come to God with your request, but if not, will you still worship? But if not, will you still trust Him? But if not, will you wait for Him? See, when our expectations aren't met, we've got to look to the God who knows us. We've got to look to God who knows our frame and knows what He wants out of the situation. And we've got to trust His heart in it. You know, Robert Burns, the great poet of Scotland, wrote a poem called To a Mouse. He observed the mouse and the trouble it had to go through just to live another day, and he wrote this, But little mouse, you are not alone. Improving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes of mice and men can go often askew and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. Listen, God knows. And I want to encourage you this morning. Your expectations may not be met, but maybe ask this question, Lord, what do you expect from me? And maybe at that moment, just, just remind yourself again who it is you're speaking to in the first place. He is Lord. He's not just your Lord. He's the Lord of all. <laughs> he's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And actually this morning, that's who you go to for request. And because of that, he's in control. He's above your circumstance. He's above your, ex your situation. And, and perhaps we're actually falling short of the, the true expectation and the true result of the situation. I want to encourage you, you can trust God. You can trust God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, just for the, the fact that although we have best laid schemes for us, we can truly trust you and we can truly wait upon you. And if only, Lord, we could just allow you to examine our hearts to ensure our expectations are lined up with yours. And Father, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to just have a, Lord, have a humility before you, Lord God, to, to even just, Lord, to, to accept, Lord, the, the most minor of, of crumbs from your grace. Lord, help us, Lord, to be surrendered to that. And Lord, we know that you're a good God. And we know that, Lord, you're all wise. So I pray, Lord, in our situations, dear God, in our expectations that are, are unmet, that, Lord, you'd help us to just be surrendered to you and, Lord, to trust you. And, Lord, to come away worshiping you. We're going to have our time of invitation now that the piano can begin to play. And I wonder this morning, there are people here, if, 
perhaps you're here and, and there's been some things you've been requesting. God's just been saying, wait. Maybe there's some things that you've been requesting and the Lord hasn't come and maybe he's answered a different way. I wonder if you would just come with an attitude of worship today and just say, Lord, you're the, you're the Lord. Lord, you're, you're the sovereign and, and I want to surrender my life to you. And Lord, I want to surrender my expectations and I want you, God, to just, just Lord, prove me. I wonder if there's some that would just come forward this morning as a piano plays. and Maybe it's just been a while since you've just worshipped. Maybe you've just been living on your own expectation and, and, and this morning, would you just come to this altar as a piano plays just to say, Lord, here I am, Lord, just align my expectations to yours. And Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. And uh, this morning I want to tell you that it's not what you expect. It's not that you are good, that God will accept you into heaven. No, it's because you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you're willing to accept Him. You know, the, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I wonder if you would come this morning just with an open heart to want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about how we expect to get to heaven. It's about what, what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. And so as a piano plays, uh, would we just humble ourselves this morning and would we do business with the Lord?